Welcome to On Resistance. Every Friday at 7.30, we'll be here talking to you. Come and join us. Be a part of the crew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to On Resistance Radio. Uh, this is Eshofuni, and that intro was uh, Bobby London. Today, uh, we are just going to have an open dialogue. We are going to talk about a few things that are happening around L.A. as well as around the state and country as a whole. And we may tap on some things that are outside the country. Who knows? So first, if everyone should introduce themselves and just a check-in. How are you feeling? How is your mental emotional state with the flux of the world? Uh, my name is Steven, or Reparation Steve. <laughs> <laughs> First, I want to thank you guys on Resistance for inviting me to the show. This is a pleasure. This is great. Appreciate being a part of the conversation. Currently, my mental state is fine. It's precise, but it's a little jarred on the way here. We did a, a mini cop watch, and just to watch people get apprehended and placed in the car is always jarring and emotionally just shocking and such a normalized process for all people of color or black people just other people watching and wondering why we're watching like why do you what are you guys doing here don't you guys want to keep going about your day and why go would to you work stop and help why that would you stop? yeah why would you be interested why would you be curious about this so that's something that's a little jarring but all in all in all is good yeah i just like being here thank you appreciate it hello this is bobby i had an interesting cop watch situation on saturday in hollywood the 26th yeah, started cop watching because I heard someone wailing and screaming as they were, you know, being put into the police car, and there was like six officers on them, and you could tell that they were being physical, and then they started to have more police cars come, and there was tons of people, tens and tens, tons of people, and what really bothered me was like the level of apathy, mm. and just like sort of how people, like, I felt like I was being gaslit because I'm like, do you see this? You know, like, what? And my phone was dying, so I was like, you know, can someone else start filming? And people were just looking at me as if there's something wrong with me. And I showed them my press pass, and they were like, your press pass means something. And threatened to arrest me. It's interesting how, um, I guess, like, as the conversation around the country is growing around, you know, the police state and anti-blackness yet, still people, there's still that level of apathy that's still there, you know, so there is people becoming more radicalized, but at the same time, there's still complacency. Hi, it's Jay. Um, Hi, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm feeling all right. I'm recovering from a bit of a summer sickness. I think the weather changing rapidly is affecting my health. I actually wanted to read something that I wrote about how I've been feeling. It's about social media and kind of compartmentalization of the lives that we lead and like the the strategies that we take to agitate directly in the street when we respond to things that we see or we respond to like interactions or interpersonal dynamics and then to how we cope or like for me how I share myself with uh, artistically and socially and other uh, mediums. Okay it's called love-hate relationship with social media and it was just like stream of consciousness so Want to express myself, connect with others, share myself with others. Feels overwhelmed by the perceptions created by posting regularly. Has trouble navigating social interactions. Find myself depersonalizing. Not able to differentiate between quality of interactions online or in person. Choices. Can post less vulnerable, emotional, personal perspective. Can try to use less social media. Can go back to spreading content without analysis. And can make lists of ways to help my social anxiety when I go to social events. 
Sai. Um, thank you. <laughs> I feel that most recently, the thing that's been bothering most is how quick America's attention just goes from one issue to another. It's never bothered me so much before, but it's, it's really got to me this these past couple of weeks with a few of the Supreme Court rulings, the marriage equality, then you have the health care, uh, police don't need a search warrant to search a house. So you have these three things that changed people's attention so quickly. And it was really frustrating, especially because I felt we as a civilization was just starting to really talk about police violence consistently, the anti-black white supremacist culture. And there was more dialogues happening on it. And I feel that the this, this focus was lost. Most people aren't talking about the churches that have been being set on fire these few weeks. And my count is uh, 10 churches that have been set on fire. And this is after the uh, white supremacist terrorist person who went into the church and shot up the nine people. You know, what's like, what's that about? So yeah, that's how I'm feeling. That's my check-in. So some of the things that I mentioned, one of the things was marriage like the Supreme Court rulings and the white organized supremacists that have been attacking black churches, as well as um, so many other things that are going on. So anything pops out. I've noticed that a lot of people have been focusing about the Confederate flag. And so recently, someone, Bree Newson, took down the Confederate flag. And that's great, direct action. But it's just interesting how quickly there was this desire to make them into a hero. And all of a sudden, you just saw all these like images and cartoons of them and like superhero. And it was just, it was so quick and it was so interesting. And I just kind of wonder, what's the reason to want to sort of make heroize for, I don't know, just made that word up, but like, you know, people and actions like that. And what does that do instead of like, like an individualizing it so highly? So I don't know. I, I just find that really interesting. And then also just like the focus on the Confederate flag after the church shooting. It's just weird that it's like, oh, okay, this white organized supremacist goes and shoots up a church and we're going to focus on the Confederate flag because that's the problem. And it's like, no, the flag is a symbol for the problem. It's just so, it's obvious, right? It's a spin war. It's a, it's a media spin war. It's a tactic. And so it's like, yeah, you know, burn the flags, burn all the flags, destroy all the borders. But we still have to deal with the fact that you white people who listen to the show, like you are white supremacists, and that we live in a complacent white supremacist country and world, whether or not that flag is on a pole or not, the feelings that go into someone wanting to carry that flag exist and will still exist. And so how do we fight that? How do we destroy that? Do we all have to be superheroes to do that? And I feel like it's also turning into a misfocus of outrage and negating a lot of responsibility for whites to address rooted anti-blackness that's being highlighted through white supremacist terrorism. So people were talking about how many how sales have risen or something. And I feel like the scale of danger from a flag symbolizing real lived danger to the fact that if they're feeling if the white supremacist right is feeling reactionary and burning churches and even doing something as like like showing their tell by buying flags, what are they also doing at home behind closed doors with the weapons that they have stored that they've actually gotten through very purposeful and open infiltration of the police departments and the military departments. So these are trained white supremacist terrorists. And what like what happened in Charleston highlighted not something new, but something that has been happening. And so for people to focus on, you know, just I feel like it's a downplaying of the danger, it's a negating of responsibility. 
And I also think, what is that feeling of being sparked to action? And we were talking about this earlier. What sparks someone to action to say, I want to do something differently, I want to agitate the power dynamics, versus where does that become something that other people see and that replaces that spark for themselves? And then that act becomes like, oh, we could all do just that one act. Or there's a process, a very personal process where something shifts and then somehow it becomes something that just gets absorbed. And instead of that shift happening on a larger scale, people just focus on that and kind of emphasize what just happened. It kind of makes it to where fighting white supremacy and racism is looked at as a game or as a sport. So when someone climbs a flagpole, it looks like we just got 10 yards on uh, defeating racism. And that's not how it works. That's just not power. doesn't work that way. Like, it's not going to happen. So when people make those moves, it kind of just speaks to how we all feel and what we all want to do and, and the, the nature of the situation, like the circumstance that we're in to want to even praise or worship something and act like that because we all intentionally want to do things like that or or the reason why she did that, we know. And then it's, it's deep, too, because, like you said, it's just a symbol. Mm-hmm. It's such a double-sided conversation. It's being in the South or, or where places are proudly showing the flag, it's kind of like, yep, I know those are people who are openly racist. Like, I know not to go over there or I know what to expect when I do go over there. Now people are wearing Confederate flag underwear. I don't know if they suspe- or I don't know if their races are just sus- well. I just got to treat them as suspected racism or respect or suspected racist. So part of it is like, wear your flag, so I know where you stand. The conversation around the flag in general is just really it's annoying. I I related to when you when you have a fly in your ear and it just keeps buzzing and you're just like move fly move. It's confusing hearing so many people like want it to be taken down because the flag's been up. It's like down there is a reason for it to come down for some reason and you know it stands for racism and all of these like of white supremacy but I feel the same way about the American flag to be perfectly honest the American flag actually I would has more blood on it than the confederate flag when it comes up to the lives of black people it is a violent symbol a violent symbol for most people around the world and when people see that flag it's not a sense of like security and happiness and hope it's the exact opposite is like fear despair and violence that they know is coming their way and it's the same thing the american police force rides around with the american flag on it so it's been really confusing because, yeah, for sure, like, you know, take the Confederate flag down, but, you know, let's actually have a conversation about what that flag represents. And then it will be much easier to talk about the American flag because it still represents that same thing. Complacency and people silent is the reason that tyranny continues. So the people who are speaking up now against the Confederate flag, as well as the people who are speaking now because of marriage equality, who is quiet the entire time that these fights and struggles are consistently happening. You're part of the reason why the Confederate flag is still there. You're part of the reason why marriage equality, you know, took so long to, like, pass. They think it's a game. They think it's a joke. I laugh as, like, coping. It's interesting because when I think about the ignoring of the fact that American flag is the same as the Confederate flag, it's the same as ignoring that America is the same as Nazis. So it's just, like, this really, you know, American exceptionalism. And so you can just feel it. Like everyone, white people, I think, know that their time has come. You know, they kind of rode that ship of white supremacy for a really long time, and it's no longer going to be accepted. I feel like they're scared, and so they're willing to give whatever concessions in their head. You know, they think that, well, like, 
happy the Negroes, you know? So take down the flag, sure. Give people marriage equality, sure. Just don't talk about the fact that, like, trans, you know, people are being killed. Just don't talk about, like, black people are being killed. We'll just give you milestones. And then the day that marriage equality happened, I saw a lot of politicians and just people on my newsfeed posting, oh, you know, we may have a lot of tragedy, but, you know, I'm so happy to live in this country. Rainbow! <laughs> and, like, and it's so funny because article just came out that um, Facebook... That was actually a sociology experiment that Facebook was doing to see if people would do it, you know, what's the thing of why people would do it and relevant to what they post. And their emotions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of posts, and not just like people I personally know, but using the word America for the marriage equality thing. Like, oh, America did it. See, like, we do okay things here. We make good laws here or something. Some really harmful narrative. If you don't feel comfortable praising America normally, why would people, especially like a mostly white benefiting cis male gay with wealth, has like a culture that is allowed to be visible and open, why would like a win for that movement when we know that that movement was built on black trans women defending themselves from cops, defending themselves from men, why does that labor and everything that went into that now all of a sudden mean it's a win for America? Like, what does it mean, this this state and this government, and then everyone changing their flags and, like, basically putting rainbow filter, putting a rainbow filter over their life, quote-unquote solidarity, which is just, like, a washing down of what solidarity might ever yes. be. Yes. And changing that, I mean, what you're saying is you're in solid. Like, to me, a lot of people were in solidarity with America making this choice. And it's like, if you think about it, that isn't how the labor actually went into that movement and what labor's been erased. But... The Supreme Court did make that decision. And so there is this body and this hierarchy that people suddenly affirm that body, that social, that Supreme Court, this government, this occupying government, this genocidal, brutal, white supremacist government, when a movement suddenly like reaches peak visibility in the legal, electoral, policymaking arena. So I think that erases a lot of violence and a lot of effort and struggle that wasn't like a, a an opt-in choice for people. And just like the similarity between flags this month, like I don't know what is up, but mm-hmm. you know, changing changing the, the rainbow flag and then changing the Confederate flag. And somehow, you know, there are people criticizing the American flag too, but somehow the American flag, America, whatever it symbolizes, is still trying to stay, that's not us, we're still legitimate. Mm-hmm. So there's like this legitimacy that's happening with the government still trying to profit off of these tragedies and these acts of white supremacist terror to make sure that the government structure itself that was built on white supremacy isn't threatened. It's still illegal to be black. That hasn't been voted on yet. <laughs> and that, other than that, it's really tough because I feel like a lot of small problems can be solved other than the biggest problem of eliminating racism and white supremacy. And that's pretty much all I have to say. I think a lot of things are going to be legislated on in the Times. I think we've been talking about gay marriage I don't know, since I've been born onto this planet, it's been an element of confusion. It's been an element of deterring people away from a conversation that's constructive. It's a way of isolating. I think politics really is just now about placating, and it's hard. It's hard. It's still illegal to be black, so. (laughs) Yeah, that's where I think the frustration is. It's everyone's happy now, or showing their happiness and solidarity, and 
or what they think is solidarity because of marriage equality. But like, I'm still reading about the church just being set on fire, and I, what it does, I don't psychologically, I'm under attack. Under attack, watching you know people celebrate in the street, but it's literally at the same time that churches are being set on fire and that people are being terrorized in the south. We know that black people are being terrorized right now, probably being being killed right now at this moment. And that's what's bothering me the most about it is because I, of course, I want equality, but I'm black and black. And I want that equality to start um, with the alleviating of the pressures off of uh, my people um, and the people in which I come from. Something else that's been really bothering me with the Confederate flag is it still plays into this idea that the North was good and the South was bad during the Civil Rights and um, during the Civil War. And that's just not the case. It, uh, it also plays into this idea that Lincoln had this like moral, I don't know, this moral like appeal or like this feeling of an emotion came up in him to want to, you know, save and care for the African people that were enslaved. And it just wasn't the case. And the only good thing about this conversation is that I can actually talk about a little bit more about about the North and the South and how it was just capitalism being restructured. And we went from like one type of slavery to like a wage type of slavery with but built on a structure of white supremacy and anti-blackness that already was being continually worked on by the time that the Emancipation Proclamation or the restructuring of capitalism happened in America. So by the time we went to wage slavery as a country as a whole, there was already work and infrastructure being made to further attack uh, the African people. That's when you have your blackface era and all of that coming up and how ghettos started to be like to come around. And it was really interesting and it's frustrating that the North was is still considered good. And that's why I think the American flag is actually still has its prestige <laughs> in this country. It just shows like the battle that has been going on consistently in this country that has never stopped for black people. Like we've been fighting for our liberation and our freedom consistently. And people who benefit most from like white supremacy, the white people are starting to like recognize that your time's done. This generation, we're going to shift some things. It's also the same with people in like the South and just thinking like a racism is just really bad in the South. Not yeah. realizing like, you know, we have our clans here in California, all over Southern California, you know. Mm-hmm. There's our Cadia, Huntington <gasps> Beach, all of Orange County. I remember when I was in Orange County, I would always see people driving around with their Confederate flags and their Nazi signs on their cars. It was nothing. And recently in Whittier, they were passing out leaflets to white people. It's not just there. Also, with the marriage equality, I feel like it just reminds me of how much of a myth ally is because it just shows the lack of intersection. The fact that people are like celebrating this while their church is burning because it's like you're ignoring the fact that there's like black queers. Because so often, usually when people hear black people critiquing the fact that everyone's celebrating this, it's like, oh, well, yeah, because black people are like predominantly homophobic. It's like, no, that's racist and that's your anti-blackness. And really, but that it's ignoring the fact that like, no, you know, people who also struggle with you, like black queers are being, as long as you got yours, it's good, right? Like it doesn't matter that other people in the struggle are still trying to be able to live. And so what does that mean when you're part of your struggle can even bought off by the state, right? How close to you are you? How in it are you if, if legislation can change that for you? Yeah, I just feel like if there was quote-unquote solidarity or these words like unity that are used to like keep control over a movement and to kind of keep the agenda, then 
when you do make get get a concession, because I'm not gonna say it's a win. I'm I'm okay with it being a win for a lot of people. But if it's a state giving a concession, the state has the power to grant this access to this contract. Then, and you're at this heightened place of visibility in legislation, in the media, socially, even like in the military. All these other factors are trying to profit off of it. The U.S. government's profiting off of this concession. Why wouldn't that be the moment where the movement is at its quote-unquote strongest in terms of solidarity to create space for people who are experiencing police violence and white supremacy that does intersect with the queer movement? And especially the woman who's talking about how trans women are treated when they're um, not just in prison, but when they're undocumented and they're held by ICE. So if there is a unified movement, if there is an LGBTQ movement that is one, shares goals to accomplish things for a wide array of people that have affinity or identify with that, why isn't this the time to push the hardest when the state is giving you platform or recognizing, giving you validity, giving you credibility, and you're taking the credibility of the state and you're saying like, yes, now we reach this milestone, this would be the time. So for all the people, you know, I feel like it's not... It's not meant to criticize people's individual happiness, but we have to check that defensiveness. It's like, why are we so defensive about saying we should push for more for people? Because there are churches burning, and this isn't just one thing that affects people. And then separately from that, this unspoken patriotism that's happening. Yes, that's what's scary. It's scary because I think where I'm at now, patriotism kills, like patriotism and nationalism has always been white supremacy in this country. And so I just don't see why we, any, why we reserve anything for that, why we entertain that. Why do we have to have a win that doesn't criticize, that is nationalistic? <laughs> why, mm-hmm. why are we winning something nationalistic? To touch on what you were saying about the marriage equality, I feel that it's so focused around marriage to where those other points that you just made about other people who are in those struggles, other people who identify as LGBT or queer people who are held by ICE or any other more extreme scenario, people being abused, people, all types of horrific things happen to people who identify in that category. And the points that I hear on those things are like, you're able to visit a loved one in a hospital and you're able mm-hmm. to have some type of financial benefits. And I'm like, those are two soft points to be making when all these other horrific things are happening to these particular people. And yeah, I think it's, it's so wrapped up into the illusion of marriage and people being happy is not really focusing on the whole encompassing lifestyle of people who identify that way in the abuses and oppression that they actually face. Is bigger than like visiting a loved one <laughs> when that you know when there's so many other things going on but it's, it's wrapped up into the marriage lingo so yeah that's the kind of the path that it's taken and it kind of just excludes all other aspects of that struggle so yeah it's, it really doesn't come down to a complete victory or when it may be a battle in a form and that's fine but we still are dealing with white supremacy and until they overturn white supremacy until they make being white supremacy illegal we're going to be dealing with a lot of like small wins i think people forget that it's the problem overall problem is the state itself you know and it, how the state is like grand and facilitated and realize that we really we really actually as a civilization have to start making new infrastructures and new ways of being and interacting because even the comments about 
being able to go see your your spouse in the hospital. It's like, why can't you go see someone who's in the hospital who's dying? I'm confused. If it's your friend and our family member or someone I know, why can't I go see them? Are you telling me that I can't see them because I, I mean that I have to be married to them? So it's like these these provisional things to grant us access to things that we should already have access to. It's really frustrating that people just forget to like, hey, no, the state is that. That's the extra problem is the reason you can't go into the, to the hospital is not because the law hasn't changed. It's because there is a government body that has a police force that will remove you from the premises of private property that's owned by an elite group of people who have made rules to keep you out unless you have the money to be able to pay your way in. It's like all of that is like connected and marriage equality doesn't doesn't actually change the inherent problem, but what it does is it alleviates pressure. And I understand the wanting to alleviate pressure and I understand the wanting to but just live. And so like, I, you know, I understand that, you know, I, I want pressure to be alleviated off me as well when walking down the street and not being harassed. But, um, you know, hopefully that'll be the next issue that the Supreme Court rules on. You know, we never know. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the time, we are going to like start to wrap up. Uh, this was a thank you everyone for such a you know great conversation and dialogue. But before we wrap up, just wanted to get people to going out like last message. Um, I would just say or just post this question or just something to leave with. Is it possible to legislate behavior? And mm -hmm. if legislation is in place, no matter what the legislation is, is the behavior change of the masses, like of individual people? Are interactions actually changed on a daily basis? Are interactions between people are, are changed? Is there a difference in how people treat one another? And that's really like what I think about any form of legislation. Kind of going back to before what was said, just like something stuck with me, being a white supremacist isn't illegal. And the fact that that was said. And just wanting to recognize that there's a superstructure in the state that is supremely violent, that murders people, that devalues black life, that devalues people of color. And we live under quote-unquote tolerance. I feel like it's like this liberal tolerance and this free speech and all of a sudden these amendments matter to protect white supremacists or to protect and favor it towards those who oppress, to those who have space defaulted to them. So just I want to I just want to think about that like what does it mean when we have this supremely legal all these laws all this punishment but being a white supremacist is not illegal. The summer brings wildfire. Yeah. Get my grill ready. You <laughs> <laughs> can uh, legislate people valuing people's life. I agree. And the only way that our society, in my opinion, is going to change is once we start to value all life, valuing all people's life. And I think that that starts with the valuing of black life because black life isn't valued. And so, um, of course, as usual, kill the white supremacist inside yourself as well as kill uh, the anti-black person inside yourself because we are wanting to live freely. You can listen to our full show on soundcloud.com on dash resistance. You can check us out on Twitter on Resistance LA. Email us at unresistanceradio at gmail.com and check out our Tumblr on resistanceradio.tumblr.com. Thank you for listening to On Resistance Radio. Uh, once again, we are a horizontal media collective dedicated to empower resistance against all forms and 
structures of violence.